Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Riffey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. It is the People's Holiday. Mailbag Friday is back. Got a lot to get to this week. Uh, most of the questions pertaining to Leach Kiffin, uh, not shockingly, as if you live under a rock or have been living under a rock, uh, Mississippi State hires uh, Mike Leach as head coach. I am uh, sure we've got some thoughts on that. We'll get to that some. We'll get to your questions. All kinds of stuff going. Uh, divisional playoff games. Busy weekend. This is like the peak time of football season. All the games are good. There's not as many. Uh, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. I've got the, the baby monitor fired up. I'm on dad duty for a little while this morning. And uh, it's kind of weird uh, still just sitting here working, air quotes, while watching my kid fall asleep in his crib. Yeah, I uh, I bet that is. So, uh, how long is a kid sleeping these days? Um, two nights ago, we got five hours straight, which was awesome. So, if that tells you anything, uh, not sleeping very well at all. It's um, it's supposed to be getting better soon. Knock on wood. But for the first few weeks, when it is every three hours, you have to feed them. So, no matter what, if they're sleeping or not, you've got to feed them every three hours, and they're usually not sleeping through that. And, People tell you, well, go sleep whenever they do. If they like are taking a nap in the afternoon, just go to bed. And it's like, yeah, that sounds great, but you can't do that. Like it's one o'clock in the afternoon. You can't just go sleep for an hour and then wake up and feed him and then sleep for another hour. It just doesn't, the human body doesn't work that way. So it's been tough, man. It, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything, obviously, but I'm just kind of complaining to complain this morning. Yeah, that. Uh, so, uh, how how close are we to getting through all the uh, all the evenings with this kid sleeping? Apparently, sleeping it, through the night, I should say. It should be happening here soon. So, uh, apparently, according to the internet, at the three month milestone is when you should start getting good blocks of seven hours or so. And uh, he is two weeks away from that. Just over two weeks away from that. So. Hopefully he'll hit that milestone. He's done everything else, like by the 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 book, if you want to call it that, the what to expect when you're expecting website that gives you like kid milestones. He was like two weeks ahead of schedule on smiling, which was awesome. Uh, but everything else is kind of in line with exactly what they've said. So hopefully here in a couple of weeks we can uh, put him down and then uh, go to actually go to bed. So fingers crossed. So smiling is a milestone. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I think I've told you this before on this podcast. I didn't realize, because I've obviously never been a dad before, uh, you don't realize how useless, and that's a bad word, but whatever, uh, a human baby is when they first come out. They can do nothing. They can't even really see. I mean, they can open their eyes, and their eyes work, but they can't really see you. Like, it takes weeks for them to like distinguish between different people's faces. Like they can do nothing. They obviously can't walk. They can't support their head. They do nothing. And so smiling's a milestone. Making any noise is a milestone. Making two separate noises is a milestone. Like 
everything from kicking and stuff like that. Like, he can't even roll himself over yet. Interesting. Baby I wish I got credit for stuff like that. <laughs> Man, and when people say that 90% of parenthood is talking about your kid's poop, that is so true. It's why haven't they pooped or they just pooped or it's is this color okay? <laughs> well, got a lot to look forward to then, it sounds like. Can't wait. Um, I know you're just rushing towards it, aren't you? Yeah, Doug, just head on. So let's uh, let's uh, get into these questions. Uh, a lot of them leech-related, so I guess we'll just kind of save that to the questions as we get to them. And, of course, the first question we get, when you get the opportunity, what will your first question be to Mike Leach? Well, I don't cover Mike Leach. Uh, hey, Dad. Has that response? Wait, they're not sending you to the press conference today to ask about not, the Egg Bowl? I will not be traveling across the state to ask the importance of winning the Egg Bowl, contrary to popular belief and contrary to strategies deployed by uh, other media outlets. Uh, strangely enough, I will not be driving to Starkville, Mississippi, to ask about the importance of a game that I'm not sure Mike Leach has probably ever heard of. So, anyway, uh, if I they were, will make him, they will make him aware. And it, look, Lane Kiffin understands as well. I promise you that Keith Carter and people have told him that you, you probably need to find a way to beat Mississippi State. And the people in Starkville have done the same thing. That game was incredibly important. They do that, but that's why people get confused when we say. And I got uh, some flack for this uh, Monday, I think, or Tuesday. When I said it's, it would be nice to have two coaches that don't really care about the Egg Bowl. And people are like, oh, of course they're going to care. It's important. Like, no shit, Richard. I know that. What I'm saying is they will not put some kind of added emphasis that this win, like, changes the complexion of their season. Like, they know that you want to beat your in-state rival and they know the fans care, but they're not going to treat this game as if it's the freaking Super Bowl. Like, I promise you. Lane Kiffin cares more about beating Alabama, if he can, or LSU than Mississippi State because of his ties to Alabama and, one, Ed Ordron reportedly telling him not to take the Ole Miss job, and also, like, they've worked together. There's, it, It's not going to be as ridiculously emphasized with these two uh, than it was for, like, Freeze and Mullen. The fans want it to be that way, and I know it's still important, and I know you want to win the Egg Bowl. Like That's not what I'm saying, but it's not as important to these two guys. That's what we're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously this, winning the game will just go a long way in determining their fate and success at the school, but just uh, I think it's more so the embodying the, you know, I mean, for State's case, the un, uh, unwarranted chip on their shoulder or just completely unnecessary chip on their shoulder like Mullen did or Ole Miss kind of the whole self-righteous Hugh Freeze thing whatever stereotypes each school has but yeah either way if I were uh but to getting to the question if I were uh if I could ask him one question um I'd probably get his thoughts on Craig James and whether Craig James killed five hookers or not That's the uh, that's the crazy internet rumor about Craig James that of course is I'm pretty sure completely false. Uh, but uh, that is what when you Google Craig James, that is normally one of the first things that comes up. He's a complete wag job. Uh, I've, you know, Mike Leach's time at Texas Tech ended because of Craig James's son. Um, obviously, history now kind of looks way more fondly on Leach to where is Craig James. Shortly after that, immediately disappeared from ESPN. Nothing really. I mean, his son didn't really do much after that. Uh, 
I, I think it was kind of a hit job over playing time. They were trying to get Leach out because they were mad the kid wasn't playing. But uh, I guess is what I'm saying with that whole concussion thing. Like I don't think that's really a much of a black mark on Mike Leach's uh, on Mike Leach's. Um, I guess I should say resume, whatever you want to call it. It uh, history looked way more fondly on uh, he than it did the James family. So I don't know. I might get him to ran off that because I imagine he's still pretty mad about that because I think it cost him like. million that he sued Texas Tech over. Uh, It was funny because even as recently as like a year ago, he was like when people were like, hell yeah, coach, get your money. We're behind you on this lawsuit. He would just blindly retweet them. So uh, he's got the Twitter movement going in addition to whatever his attorneys have been working on. But that would probably be the one thing I would want him to get him ranting about without going too outside the box. Yeah, see, I think, you know, asking him about aliens or something would be – too easy. You know, you've got to get him into something that he hasn't been asked about before. Like, if somebody asks him today to rank the SEC mascots, like, that's lame. It's already been done. Don't do that. Um, I don't know what I would ask him. I would have to, like, really sit down if I ever got the chance to interview him with – and that, that's probably never going to happen. Um, I think I would sit down and prep for that interview for, like, an hour because it, it, he's more than just – Aliens are real. I tracked a raccoon for three miles. Like, he's actually a really smart guy. And I would want to get him talking about things that I've never even considered, like Eastern European war strategy or something, and get him talking about that. Because he's he's crazy. Uh, not crazy. Quirky. But he's actually really smart. And so I'd want to, like, prepare for that for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, he's got a law degree. He just, uh, like most incredible, like most kind of brilliant, I'm not saying Bleach is brilliant, but like most smart people, sometimes they're just a little bit eccentric, a little different. But it'll be interesting. I, I guess this, uh, see, I can't remember what this next question is related to. Well, speaking uh, of that, I don't think we got a question about this. I just think this is wild. So you saw his contract, right? Yeah, so I saw that this morning as I was uh, interviewing uh uh, as I was chatting with uh, LB's Greg, who we have on to make picks later in the show, I, I'm so shitty at teasing stuff for this podcast. We just kind of get to talking, but uh, it's a podcast, so, man. You don't have to. Yeah, exactly. We've got Greg's picks coming up. Go to LB's is what I'm saying. Anyway, as as we were talking about that, I saw Brett Murphy report he's uh, getting five million bucks a year. Four years because that's what it has to be. Five million a year. That's huge. I mean, imagine. One of the Mississippi schools paying a coach before they have any success $5 million a year. I guess that's just the nature of the business now. But my bigger takeaway was not that they paid Mike Leach $5 million a year. It's that Billy Napier presumably turned down four and a half to $5 million a year. And, I mean, he's losing some guys off of this team that just won the conference championship. Believe in yourself the way Billy Napier believes in himself. Because turning down... What possibly was around four and a half to five million dollars to stay at ULL for another year, hoping that a bigger job comes open and you better continue winning at that high level or else you're not going to be considered. That is a gamble, man. I that that's a huge number to turn down to maybe get the Auburn job next year. Sure. But at the same time, like it, it better or is it just different? Like, like it's just different. One, that's that's a better word to use than what I did. Different. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't I don't disagree. It's a gamble. He's definitely betting on himself. But like this this probably Billy Napier thing at ULL is probably not lasting past next year. And from the broadcast, what they played, 
they played Monday night, right? It seems like an eternity ago at this point with the way the news cycle has been this week. But it with a lot, what they have returning, it sounds like the, this is not lasting more than one year. So unless they completely hit the tank next year, I think he'll be okay. But at the same time, it still is a gamble. But I, I, I just wonder what uh, job he has his eyes set on. It may be... Uh, it may be Baylor. This may be coming to an end in the next week. I'm not sure. I don't think Baylor's hired anybody, to my knowledge. They have not, point. and they may have. I, I don't know if it'd be an issue or not, but they have a similar situation that Ole Miss did with Matt Luke, but it's a little bit more public at Baylor. I mean, basically the entire roster has been vocal in support of, um, I, I don't know his name. He already is on staff there. So, They've been vocal supporting the interim, or well, he's not an interim, but you know what I mean. The entire team, starting quarterback, everybody's like, this is the coach we want. And going and hiring somebody else, it, and just like everything, uh, Billy Napier, if it would be him, would walk in there and the team would buy in right away, just like what happened with Lane Kiffin, and it would all be fine. But you've got like an entire team saying, hire this coach. And are you really going to go against your entire team? You should, but that's the question over there right now is do we listen to the entire team or not? Yeah, the guy's name is Joey McGuire. I don't know. I'm about to look up what is – I think he's the OC. I hate it when school's official websites don't put the position the guy coached. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, so uh, that's an interest. that'll be interesting to see how that kind of flushes itself out. Is Napier a candidate there, or do they go internally? But, and jobs um, next year, I mean, who would be open? I, I, I have a feeling, and, I mean, who could have done better in the state of Alabama right now next to Nick Saban than Gus Malzahn? I mean, he gets a lot of shit for actually not being a bad football coach and running a pretty good – competent, pretty successful program in the same state as the greatest college football coach of all time. But people there are just have grown completely weary of Gus Malzahn. If he loses four games next season, he's probably getting fired. So that jobs may be open. If Tom Herman rolls out another seven and five, I mean, maybe, but I mean, what's coming open next year? Yeah, I don't know. It's always hard to forecast it you know, 12 months out because I don't think you would have guessed uh, Mississippi State or Ole Miss coming open this time a year ago, barring something crazy. So it's but always he hard just to turned down a job at, at that caliber, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I think that I w- if I'm guessing with him, I think it has more to do so with that particular job than that type of level of him looking something bigger. I just think he probably wants a different fit. Maybe I'm wrong because, I mean, four or five million a year, the money's not really changing uh, very, very substantially, even if you get a quote unquote better job. Uh, particularly coming from ULL, you're probably still going to make in the four to five million range starting off, no matter where you go. Uh, so I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, watch play out. Will coach? Which coach will have the most success next season? Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin? I am going to go Lane Kiffin here because I think State is going to be in a transition year. I don't think they have the personnel to do what Leach wants. Defense, it seems like, should still be pretty good for Mississippi State, but I think State's going to have a bit of a transition year next year to where I think Ole Miss is, even though the front end of the schedule is pretty rough, I think they're set up to have pretty good success. Uh, roster is still pretty good. That was a really young roster last year, so you're not losing very much at all if you can kind of figure out a way to uh, have a competent defensive line and get pressure on opposing quarterbacks to whereas 
I, I and this is this has nothing to do with long term. This question is about next season alone. I don't know how either one of these is going to work out long term, but I think next season it's Kiffin more than likely, just because I don't think I think State is in for a bit of a transition year next year. But once Leach gets that thing rolling, if he's able to get it rolling, who knows in terms of long term. But if you're asking me in a vacuum in 2020, I'm going to give the edge to Ole Miss because of what they have coming back and the lack of uh, turnover is not the right word. But it seems like uh, State's having to make a bigger adjustment with this air raid deal. For sure. I don't have a whole lot to add. You, you nailed it there. Other than if Mississippi State does retain Bob Shoup, I, I really like him. I mean, when people are talking about Todd Grantham being the coach, I figured um, he's been a coordinator at bigger jobs. But if you look at Shoup's body of work, that I mean, that's a guy that everybody turned their nose up at as getting the head coaching position. And I thought, you know, there's not a whole lot different between Shoup and Grantham. I like him. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. Errol Thompson coming back for them is um, – extremely important they lose a ton of bodies on that side of the ball again though um so i'm with you the the transition garrett schrader's not a quarterback that is built to throw it 60 times in a game uh maybe he can get there under mike leach's coaching and uh he's taken less talented quarterbacks and still had successful passing seasons so it can be done with him too but uh the concern is more the wide receiver group which um is just terrible if we're being honest just awful so are you really going to throw the ball 60 times a game to a wide receiver group that is objectively terrible? That's the biggest part for me when I said transition. I didn't really zero in on anything. But there, I mean, even for talking to Haydad, I, I probably caught State uh, four times this year, maybe all in totality. And that includes watching their bowl game from a top golf in Dallas. Uh, but th- <laughs> that was the biggest thing. They, they don't have they can't. For whatever reason, they have not been able to recruit receivers there. I think Leach is obviously going to change that. Who in the hell, if you play wide receiver, isn't going to want to go play in that? I just think for next year, I don't think they have they have the horses. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they hit the grad transfer market. Maybe they just hit the transfer market and get some impact guys. I don't know. Just as it stands right now, I don't see it for next year. Uh, I guess I'll use this as a leaping off point. I didn't really on the show yesterday give any like thoughts on what I thought about the hire. Obviously, hey, Dad covers state. I cover Ole Miss. It was a state-heavy show. I just kind of sat back and, and listened for the most part. And then at the end, when Richard gave me a chance, I used it as an opportunity for lobbying for state to build a pirate ship for him to live in in the stadium, which I still stand by today. Um, but I, I don't – like I saw uh, there was a uh, – I saw a stuffy uh, Baton Rouge advocate columnist talk about like Ole Miss and state just making splashy hires that don't win. It's like, dude, like I don't know if this is going to work out. I think it's a fun hire. I think I think Mike Leach finally get a crack at the SEC is going to be awesome. I think every weekend in the SEC West, you're going to have high-profile matchups between coaches. This is going to be a lot of fun, but I, I just I don't get the thought of well, you're Ole Miss in state. What are you doing? Well, it's like, what do you mean? You're 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 the two bottom feeders of the SEC West. Why not try something different? So yeah, here's what he said. He said, allow me to dissent. Ole Miss hired an immature 44-year-old who has never proven he can win consistently at a big-time level. Mississippi State hired a wingnut who averaged being one game over 508 years at Washington State. Is it about winning or being colorful? I do love when columnists, guys like uh, Mr. Scott here, um, like take on their own like sense of self-worth because the program they cover is good. I mean – who was Ed Orgeron when LSU hired him? He was a failure. Yeah, a failure at Ole Miss. A complete failure. And, and they hired that guy because of his accent. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah. 
And who was Dabo Sweeney when Clemson hired him? He was the interim wide receiver coach. It was Pat Forty, and he was right at the time. It looks funny now, but Clemson, the people in the area when that hire happened, it was a failure. It was, we are Clemson football. We're in the ACC. We have all this money, and we hired freaking Dabo Sweeney, our wide receiver coach. This is terrible. Like, that was the reaction because he was a nobody, and he became a national championship winning head coach. It, I, what do you expect for a Ole Miss? Like, do you really think that it, in the same tweet that he's talking down to the Mississippi schools, he also, like, is Ole Miss really going to go hire a coach that has won consistently at a big-time level? Who can do that? There's like five programs in the country that can go hire that guy. Oklahoma promoted from within. Ohio State promoted from within. It's not as simple as, here, Ole Miss – Go hire a coach that's won consistently at a big-time level. Like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah, and just the the fact that, like, State had their guy pulled out from under them for an NFL job. And, like, I mean, any college, any guy that's taking a college job in the New York Giants come calling is probably uh, reversing course as well. And so, for, for like, it's not a bad recovery. And, Dan, you know, uh, beloved columnist in this state, Dan Wolkin, wrote a column that said, you know, uh, Mississippi State's AD needed Mike Leach and to talk about John Cohen. I don't really know why he didn't name him. Needed Mike Leach to kind of save himself. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but I kind of do agree with that. I don't know save himself, but it's it's not a bad land when you have your uh, your predominant plan kind of swept out from under you last second. Like, you can do a hell of a lot worse at Mike Leach. Mike Leach has never gotten fired from anywhere for not winning, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think that's happened yet. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's one where it's hard to win, and it's hard to win at state. So is this going to work out? Is the air raid going to work in the SEC? I don't know, but I feel like you could do a hell of a lot worse than Mike Leach, and it's going to be fun to figure out. Yeah, and this guy, not to pile on this guy, because I've had bad opinions every single day of my life, but um, being one game over 500 in eight years at Washington State is an accomplishment. Yeah, that's not saying what you think it says. It's an accomplishment. That's yeah, a exactly. difficult job. Like if you think he's trying to make it a dig. Yeah, like, and it's not. Like, one. It's one of those things that's not saying what you think it says, man. Like it's Washington State. So I, I, I completely agree. Like it's it's reading that it's like he went one game over at Washington State. I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's awesome. Like that's a that's hard to do. So they would have taken that if you'd have told them in eight years we will be one game over 500. Every fan there would have been like, holy shit, sign me up, please. And isn't that absorbing two, three, and nine seasons? Or is he was he there longer than eight years? Um, let's see. I know there was at least two in there. I mean, when he took over, the program was in pathetic shape. And that's the thing with Mississippi State fans. You cannot. Uh, there's one, three, and nine. Yeah. So in two of his first three seasons, he went three and nine. He went three and nine, six and seven, three and nine, and then won nine, eight, nine, 11, and six games. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. If both Kiffin and Leach fail, parentheses, I don't think that will happen. Would the hires still be successful based off fan base reaction, fan slash fans backing the program? I mean, no. If they don't win, like it's a failure. The whole object of this is to win, because uh, this question would kind of underscore Mr. Uh, Rabelais' point, uh, the uh, Baton Rouge columnist. But I mean, in the short term, this invigorated fan base 
two fan bases that were all this was incredibly apathetic. It sounded like state was probably approaching that with Joe Moorhead if they had entered a year three. So it's like state was dealing with what Ole Miss was dealing with on a lesser scale because Ole Miss is extended out really over longer than a half decade, almost six, seven years at the NCAA investigation, all that jazz. So I guess the short answer is no, but in the same time, this everything kind of seems to come back to this whiff bad hire theory that I have. Neither one of these are bad hires. You're trying something different. What's the worst you can do? End up like the worst Ole Miss and State will end up being is right back where they are right now. State record wise, yeah, probably could end up a little worse because you were eight and five and six and seven. But you get my point. Like, wait, so what if this doesn't work? I know that doesn't mean it's a success, but you're right back where you started. Like, no harm, no foul. Yeah, that was well said. And, and it's funny now winning the press conference matters when a few days ago it didn't. That's kind of funny how that works out. But, um, man, they're good hires no matter what happens. It's the same thing you said about Joe Moorhead. I mean, on paper, it, it was a good hire. It just it didn't made work. sense at the time. Yeah, it just it didn't made work. Perfect sense. And these two, both of these hires make sense. And not because they're winning the press conferences. I think I said this on the radio show yesterday, but Bears repeating. Um, national people are excited about this game, the Egg Bowl and these two hires, because of the outside stuff. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't both fan bases excited about Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach because they actually think that these guys will win football games? Not – Mississippi State, I know that like Bully had the eye patch and stuff on. But that's not really why they're excited, as you're they're saying. They're excited because he won at two places that are damn near impossible to win at. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, who's an NFL coach now, couldn't win Having at Texas Tech. success, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's working out so far. With a terrible offensive line, I mean, Larry, aside from Larry Fitzgerald, pretty weak with weapons and not very good defensively. And a rookie quarterback who's five foot ten, and they're competent. He couldn't win at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes, so that's what people are actually excited about because they're coaches that can actually win at the places where they currently sit. And nobody, I, I, when Moorhead was hired, people thought that he would, but after year one, nobody thought that Joe Moorhead or Matt Luke was the long-term answer. Nobody, not one person. Unless, like, your last name was Luke. Now people actually believe that these two guys are the long-term answer coaching-wise. Like, let the national people talk about all the quirkiness. But at the end of the day, there were upgrades in coaching ability, at least head coaching ability on the state side. That, that's why everybody around here is pumped up. Most potential to win big at their current school, highest ceiling, lowest floor. Um, I really don't know how to answer this because I don't know enough. Like Kiffin hasn't garnered enough sample size at a major program. Like, yeah, he kind of flamed out at USC, but that was one of those NCAA deals. They overcome that. I think he was just kind of abrasive personality. Like, I I don't I don't really know how to answer this. I mean, Kiffin is recruiting staff as much as people. I mean, I guess if you're an Ole Miss detractor, like you're not going to buy into it. But he is recruiting a, a staff that is going to try to recruit on a national level. Whether it works or not remains to be seen. So I mean, there is potential to win big there. But again, Leach has won you know eight, seven, eight, nine games. I'll um, hmm. 
I'll go highest ceiling, Ole Miss lowest. No, excuse me. Yeah, I guess highest, the highest ceiling, highest floor is what you're going after. I think. Yeah. I think the I'll highest answer Ole Miss is, on this because I think States is a little safer because Mike Leach has won seven to eight games a year every single place he's gone. He's gone to 16 bowls in 18 years. I think there's two 10-win seasons in that. So it seems a lot more steady. So I'll go highest ceiling Ole Miss, lowest floor Ole Miss because I think Kiffin has a little bit chance. Like it's a more volatile thing because he has flamed out at some other places, whereas Leach has been pretty steady consistent-wise. So I guess I'll go Ole Miss here. I mean, if, then I say that, and if Leach goes 10-2 and two in year three and four back-to-back and they're good, like that wouldn't shock me either. But I guess if you're going to go – widest margin of how this could go, I'll definitely go Ole Miss because, again, Leach has seemed to be pretty steady at seven to eight wins a year, occasional 10-win season. Yeah, Kiffin's recruiting will uh, make their ceiling higher. It kind of talk out of two sides of my mouth here with this because Mike Leach has been at two places where it's, again, damn near impossible to recruit. I mean, it's really hard to recruit to Pullman, Washington, but – the, the recruiting profile at those places hasn't really been all that elevated when he was there. He's just a better football coach than the other guys that they've had. Um, in Mississippi State, being an SEC West job and being in this state, although you share it with another SEC school, uh, you can simply just recruit the state of Mississippi. I mean, that's what Matt Luke did. Uh, Matt Luke and Ole Miss didn't really sign anybody of major caliber outside of Jerry and Ely. I mean, it was, and well, Jonathan Mingo was kind of highly rated, but by and large, their classes were filled uh, with three-star kids and they recruited top 20, top 30 classes, top 25, top 30 classes. So there is a, a level in which roster building in the SEC, like you, you have a floor that you can't go below. And so even though he's not a good recruiter, has talked about how he doesn't really like it that much. And well, wait, to add on to that, that real quick, his pen tweet is air raid philosophy, and it's a quote from Sun Tzu. I think it's some kind of Chinese, or excuse me, I should say Asian fighter, I think. Uh, if the enemy is superior in strength, evade him. If his forces are united, separate them, attack him where he is unprepared, appear where you are not expected. Very, very on-brand Mike Leach sweet, but that kind of speaks to that in a very weird, cryptic way. It does. And so that was a long-winded way uh, for me to say that uh, he won't recruit as well as Lane Kiffin, at least in the numbers. That doesn't mean he won't win or anything if you are a Mississippi State fan listening. And just Kiffin's ceiling is higher because he will get players that can compete more consistently with the better teams in the SEC, whereas up until this point, Leach has shown you or has not shown you that he will do that. So – Higher floor, Mississippi State. Higher, higher ceiling, Ole Miss. Uh, let's see. Back to the questions. I went off of it for a second to try to find that Leach quote. All right, here we go. Is it just me or has – I'm going to skip that one. Uh, yeah, we, we, can't, we can't do that, man. I know what question you're talking about, and, and we just we, – we don't need to go there. National snark. It's, uh, it comes with the territory. Is what I'll say. Let's see. If you could only watch one level of one sport ever again, what it what would it be? Oh, mine is probably going to either be NFL football or Major League Baseball. I don't know which one. I can't decide, so I'm going to have two answers because I can. <laughs> it's your podcast. You can do what you want. Exactly. No rules here. 
Um, it, it can't be football because there's not enough games. I, I, w- I need to be entertained for a longer amount of time. So I think I would go NBA. I don't like it as much as football, but I can't just do 16 weeks. I mean, the NBA lasts for almost the entire year. So I'd prefer just to have more to watch more often. Knowing how AJ and DK performed in their rookie seasons, if you're a GM now, who are you drafting first out of the two? Um, it really depends on what the team is and what you need. I know that's a cop-out answer, but it really just kind of depends. Like, if you're... If you're the Tampa Bay Bucks, for example, you'd probably draft A.J. Brown because imagine what he could do in the slot underneath uh, Godwin and Mike Evans to where, as you're the Minnesota Vikings, you have absolutely no deep foot at all. Imagine what D.K. Metcalf would do in terms of opening up Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen kind of in the shallower parts of the field. So it really just kind of depends. I would probably side with the more versatile A.J. Brown, but again, if I have an automatic touchdown when you throw it to D.K. Metcalf in the red zone, that's not a bad consolation. You're, you're splitting hairs here. I'll go A.J., but I mean, there's, there's not really a wrong answer, and it depends on what team you are, I think. You can't hear that, can you? Little guy's fussing again. You no, no, that? you're good. No, okay, yeah. No. Um, yeah, that's really well said. Uh, like the Saints, for example, would want DK Metcalf because Michael Thomas, for as good as he is, is not a burner. I mean, he, he just he can't beat people deep. And so you could compliment Thomas so well with a guy like Metcalf who can just run fly routes and get by people and, and open up defenses. Um, so, yeah, I think you nailed it. I'm just trying to add something because I am technically a professional talker, but there's nothing more I can add to what you said. You nailed it. This. uh, th- OK. <laughs> I have a reason for asking this because this is a question. What's the name of the Pirate Series movie? The Pirate Series movie? With Jack Sparrow? Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, that's what... So, this is interesting because uh, the question we have from longtime listener and friend of mine, Jay Shell, how do you say Pirates of the Caribbean? But I I think I know what he's getting at here because when I'm just referring to that portion of the world, it's the Caribbean. Why is it Pirates of the Caribbean? Because I say Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Do you say you're vacationing to the Caribbean, though? The Caribbean. Yeah, I don't understand this. So you're, it's allowed. We're, we're right, and I don't know why we're right, but I don't understand it. So it's Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> but you vacation to the Caribbean. I don't know why. So there's your answer. I, Jesus. I'm going to think no about other, that I, all day now. Yeah, I don't get that, but there's no other answer to this. I've never heard of a. Now, granted, I've seen a couple of those movies. I haven't seen all of them, but I don't think I've ever heard of anyone refer to it as Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you? No, not at all. Not one. So, but <laughs> you kind of put our brains into pretzel there. I don't understand that at all. But the answer is Pirates of the Caribbean, but the region of the country is the Caribbean. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Does uh, that was a uh, – w- those were two back-to-back good questions in completely different ways. Um, let's see. Does Garrett Schrader – Garrett Schrader, I, I kind of like that better. Ridiculous beard like him more chlorine. What is wrong with people? Does Garrett <laughs> Schrader's beard make him look more like a terrorist or a pirate even though he now has an eye patch courtesy of Willie Gay? Obviously, this guy's trolling. Uh, I do – the matching eye patch jokes are funny. 
Uh, I do wonder, uh, that's probably a great question. And if you don't really want to go totally off the wall, like, and you're in day five of spring practice and there's really not a whole lot to talk about, I'm totally asking Leach about what he thinks about Schrader's beard. Oh, my God, that answer would be classic, too. I saw a picture of uh, Schrader at Leach's, um, not introduction yesterday, because that's here in a few hours, but uh, whatever you want to call getting off the plane, so his first like arrival in Starkville. And he looks like Moe's from The Office. Th- that beard is ridiculous, and he needs to shave it. Like It's not thick like Ryan Fitzpatrick's. Like He can get away with it because it's so it's thick. It almost looks... Like if like you could knock it like it was wood, you know, real strong and thick. Schrader's is, and I shouldn't be talking shit because I can't grow one, but his is too thin. He looks like Moe's from The Office. Shave that ridiculous thing and like button yourself up. You're the quarterback now. I, uh, I'm not going to hate on beards because I can't grow one either. So I, I appreciate and I am a stand for his beard. Uh, it is a shame he did not go to school in the state of Louisiana because he could make a regular appearance on both the uh, Duck Dynasty crew and Swamp People and would really just kind of fit seamlessly in and out of both. Uh, he, that's really – I saw a photo of it yesterday too at the airport and I was like, holy shit, this guy just left the Duck Commander place after he sc- scraped off a couple duck calls. Like I, I don't understand it, but uh, I mean if that that's – I mean, it's kind of iconic now, right? I mean, that he, he kind of puts – in terms of, like, beard to chin strap placement, he does kind of put Ryan Fitzpatrick to shame. So it, at least he has a thing. Like, like you're automatically a much better quarterback if you have a thing. Uh, and I don't know what that thing is, but, uh, like, for, for most people. But Schrader, Schrader has a thing, and it's his beard. So uh, maybe Leach will make him – maybe, like, if he has a shitty game, Leach will be like, sorry, you got to shave that thing. <laughs> I am so fascinated with how Leach is going to use him. I mean, I, people have already brought up Will Rogers. And, uh, look, maybe he comes in and wins the job, but uh, the, the kid will be a true freshman. So uh, Schrader has already shown you that he can do things well in the SEC. Uh, has Mike Leach ever had a quarterback that can run like Schrader can? Because He's not a burner or anything. He's not Nick Fitzgerald so much, but, I mean, he's physical and he can run some. And like reads defense as well and like makes good cuts. I mean, he's a good runner. Has he ever had a quarterback like that? I don't know. I'm genuinely asking. I, uh, I, I don't, I, not that I remember off the top of my head, like he hasn't had one on any of his better teams, which that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but that's more so me saying is I haven't, I didn't keep up with Mike Leach's. I don't remember his average Texas tech teams. And I don't really remember his average Washington state teams, I guess is all I'm trying to say by that. So, I don't know, but I mean, I don't know what Garrett Schrader can do. I believe Garrett Schrader was actually kind of recruited to be a pass first guy. It just didn't work out that way because state was such a discombobulated mess on offense. But so I I don't know. Like, is it there? Is it not? I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's fascinating, man. And he was also a true freshman, too. And he was not preparing the season to be any kind of starter. It's just Tommy Stevens couldn't stay healthy at all. I just, his skill set is more, at least what he's shown you, it's more uh, dual threat so much than it is just standard pocket passer. And again, he can get better at that, but uh, those legs are um, usable if you have a system that will allow it. I mean, you can really rely on him in the running game. And I just, I wonder how that's going to fit. The other kid, I think, uh, underscores how lazy we are collectively as media sometimes. I'm sure Will Rogers, he's a four-star kid, right? I'm sure he's a fine quarterback, a fine prospect. But is the noise about him possibly winning the job from day one as loud as it 
if Gardner Minshew had not gone to Brandon High School? Oh, yeah. And look, if he was from Brandon, Alabama, I don't think he'd – I mean, just forget the high school. Like, if he was just from one state over, it wouldn't be the same either, I don't think. For those of you that don't know this, Will Rogers kid, I believe four-star out of Brandon, Gardner Minshew, obviously went to Brandon, and Mike Leach turned him into a superstar. So I think think he's got a little bit of that going for him. Uh, I'm sure someone is going to do this, but – like on the state beat, but there's probably an interesting story to be written about – like calling up Gardner Minshew and what he thinks Mike Leach and how that will fit in the SEC. Cause someone that is familiar with the South and this kind of footprint, the guy that was overlooked by most SEC schools, but that would be by every of, SEC school. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, he had a, his, his only real opportunities before Leach called, he was going to go to Bama and be a backup and then basically get into coaching and be a GA. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was overlooked, but I mean, it's kind of for a reason. I covered a couple of his games at uh, Northwest and like, I see why, but good for him. He turned into a good player and a starting NFL quarterback. He'll be a good backup for quite a while. Uh, this next question, it w- this next question will kind of transition into something else. So before I uh, get into that, I'll remind you, go to LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. We've got Greg's picks coming in just a minute. Uh, had Greg back on for the first time in a while. We talked a lot of meets, what's coming up for baseball season, uh, uh, some of the specials he have. I won't spoil that, so you'll need to keep listening. But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Uh, he made me hungry when he was describing some of the sausages, apple and blueberry sausage he's got going on right now. Um, so pretty solid stuff. He's got some uh, You ever had a blueberry sausage? I don't think so. Have you? I have, and believe it or not, it's actually really good. I, I, don't, I, I, do, I, do, I don't doubt that because the way he was describing it and how they kind of made it or whatever uh, made me incredibly hungry. So – I, uh, I don't doubt that for one second. He's got that going on. He's still got the Lane Kiffin, Keith Carter special, six and eight rounds bacon wrap fillets. He's also got he, uh, he's got a uh, pack for baseball season. Like He's basically got a grilling pack for you to go out there and grill all kinds of cool stuff in it. So anyway, we'll get to his picks in a second. He'll make you rich. He's back on the divisional rounds. Greg always comes out swinging with some kind of bold pick out of one, and he didn't disappoint again. So stay tuned to see what that is. But anyway, go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger. Next question kind of transitions into one thing we do have to talk about for this weekend. Uh, Ole Miss does play a basketball game against Arkansas this weekend. And the question we're getting is what can Kermit do to make this Rebels offense find a rhythm? I, I don't have a simple answer for this because, one, I'm, you're talking to someone who does not – like I, I'm not the coach. I, I don't I, – I feel like I know a decent bit of basketball. I don't know the ins and outs of, and the minutia of it in terms of what offense fits that personnel well enough to tell you. My first thought would be is, one, find someone you're going to – it seems like to me they run a lot of continuation sets, and it's a lot of just kind of aimless dribbling, aimless passing. They aren't really a good screening team. Like, to DMC setting screens is kind of infuriating, uh, even just as a basketball person. Like – like they don't screen anyone very well. Uh, I'm a long-winded way of saying they need to find an identity in terms of they need to play through someone every time down the floor, whether that's Bree and Tyree on ball screens, whether that's Bree and Tyree off the ball, coming off some kind of staggered screen, either to the corner, to the top of the key, to a wing, whatever. They need to find one person to play through every time. They had it a little bit at the beginning of the year with K.J. Buffin in the high post. But Buffin has kind of teetered off as well. Some of that's foul trouble. I'm sure some of that's just an uptick in competition. I don't know what's up, but the main one of the main things they've struggled with is 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 Buffin and Henson have not made that consistent jump so far this year. Henson just hasn't really looked the same since he came back from the blood disorder thing. But 
I guess well, a his long shot way selection is frustrating, man. It is. And it was as a freshman, and you figured that's something that would get better. And it just, it, I mean, to be completely honest, it hasn't so far. Um, obviously, I mean, you're still early in his sophomore year, but you, you would like to see that get short up. But I, I'm I'm going to say in terms of finding a rhythm, find one person to play through down the floor. I think the most, I mean, th- there's really only two candidates. I mean, it, it, to, in my opinion, it's Buffin or Brian. I mean, I, I guess you could really play down through C some, but I, I don't necessarily see that right now. Um, so I find one of those two and play through them on every possession. Get them a touch on every possession. They should be the main guy looking to get a shot and see if they can create for other people. So that's about all I got for you now. Any thoughts? Yeah, you going to drop uh, an out-of-bounds play for us? <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, there's not much more I can add. You're nailing it today, and I'm basically useless. But well, um, I had three cups of coffee, so that it, it's the cool. caffeine. And I'm on four hours of sleep. So, uh, no, it, that's that makes the most sense. I keep in my head, and Tyree's not this kind of player, but do you remember how they used to create shots for Marshall Henderson? In, in possessions, he would run through four screens at times just to get him an open look i wonder if they don't start trying to do something similar for tyree i mean he's the only consistent scorer that they've got and even he's inconsistent but what if they just started running him off the ball as you mentioned through a couple of screens uh, like run him down the baseline through a couple of screens just to get him open looks because he's the only one that they can rely on with open looks right now yeah and that's a that kind of has that's kind of uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what I was getting at, too. With the, That's a good point with the con- continuation versus the quick hitting stuff to get guys shots. We were, I was going to have Bracken Ray on, former AK staffer, uh, now works in Nashville on this week talk about it. But he had some uh, work conflicts. He uh, had the audacity to have a day job and actual responsibility instead of podcasting for free. So I think we're going to go with that on Monday after this game. So that's uh, something Ole Miss is going to have to get short up because they, they really need to win when uh these i mean they really need to win this game i mean it's a 12 and 2 arkansas team that kind of unraveled late on wednesday night against lsu but led by as many as i think 13 or 14 in the first half could have easily won that game they've uh they've overachieved muscleman's got a nice team there in his first year i I haven't looked at the line i would bet Ole miss is actually not favored in this game i could be wrong about that but they were only a three-point favorite at a terrible Texas A&M team the other night. So I, I can't imagine they're favored in this game. But, I mean, they've, they've got a couple of nice wins. They beat a decent Georgia Tech team. Um, like, they – they I believe they've played A&M already. Uh, yeah, they have. They beat A&M by 10, lost LSU by 2. They've got a win at Indiana. It's, it's, it's a pretty good team. Mason Jones is a good guard. He's a 20-point-a-game guy and probably will stay that way in the SEC. They've got a you know, pretty good forward and Ethan Henderson. Like I, I, I don't see Ole Miss winning Saturday unless they play much better. So something they're going to have to get figured out. The uh, Do they have a shot at beating Arkansas? I mean, not look, they play the game, so of course they do. But do you, how do you expect that game to go? I, I think they're equipped to defend them uh, if, in terms of, like, I think they can stay in the game. But, man, if they're not, like, in my mind, like, basing off the last couple of games, how does Ole Miss get to 75 points? I don't know how. So do they have a shot? Yeah. I would, you know, I, am I going to bank on it? No. Would I put like, if, if you made me like wager on it, would I put money on Ole Miss winning the game? 
No, I think they have a shot though. I mean, it's a, I don't think this team is as bad offensively as they're playing right now. I think they've got to find a way to reinvent themselves and be more efficient on that end. But with the with the amount of talent they have on the floor at a given time, starting five wise, because their their bench is an issue. They don't really have a, like they need Bryce Williams is scoring off the bench when he's healthy, but he doesn't play defense. Franco Miller can't score. Sammy Hunter doesn't score. Like, but starting five, they have enough talent to where they should be better offensively than this. Not great, but much better than this. So, yes, I do think they have a shot. But again, as I was kind of saying on the radio show this week, how they sort of reinvent themselves and tweak things to become better than this, what this current version of them offensively is going to go a long way, whether this actually bottoms out or they're an average team that probably fights for the NIT. Or I guess if you go on some sick run, you could get an NCAA bid, but I don't see that with this team at this point. So, yes, I think they have a shot, and yes, I think they're a better offensive team than the way they're playing, but I guess it kind of remains to be seen. It'll be interesting. The game's at 5. I, I'm going to do the crusty sports writer thing and complain about game times. And mostly, and mainly because I was sitting there thinking, man, give me one playoff game. Like, let this game be at noon or seven. Let me watch one of these in peace. And it's smack dab in the middle of both. It's because <laughs> I think one's at three and one's at seven. So I'm going to miss the first part of one and the end of the other. So the. Oh, but at least you get to cover the quality basketball that you get in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, so I- it could be worse. I'm sure it'll be just as entertaining as Vikings and Niners, not a, <laughs> not a drop-off at all. So, uh, well, did yeah. you know that the Vikings are going to get just absolutely smoked in San Francisco, and it'll piss everybody that I know that's a Saints fan off even more because the Saints are far more equipped to compete with San Francisco than the, the Vikings are. But they decided to vomit all over themselves last Sunday. So, Yeah, I feel like we got robbed of that, and we'll get to those in a minute, but I do feel like we were robbed of that matchup. Let's see. What's the latest on the on filling the open coaching positions? Why the delay? I don't think it's a delay. Lane Kiffin has made it clear he's going to be careful and tactful about this. And there's really not a ton of reason to rush. They have most of the staff in place. There's two positions left to fill. I think it's a wide receiver coach. And is it one on the defensive side of the ball? I have the set of notes, but I don't have okay. this. And so I me. don't think they've named a linebackers coach, right? So it's linebackers and receivers. And I assume Freddie, even though they haven't actually reported it officially uh, about Freddie Roach. What about him? That it, whether he's staying or going. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it very well could be possible that he goes to the convention with a couple of names in mind. And if they say no, he keeps Roach around. I mean, who knows? Um, I, I'm actually, I'd be surprised if he kept him around, not for any reason other than he has cleaned house and uh, everybody's gone recruiting guys, with the exception of a couple of recruiting names that you may not have heard of, but like the head recruiting guy gone, strength and conditioning gone. Every staff member besides Freddie Roach gone. I mean, he's basically cleaned house there. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I have this right. And I had it, uh, so it's you've got basically two staff fillings left if Freddie Roach stays on, and it would be linebackers and wide receivers if I'm not mistaken. Um, because the defensive, the, the co-defensive coordinator thing, like that, squeezes one less job um, if they do it traditionally. So whereas like corners isn't filled, it could be I guess corners or linebackers, right? Like one of the two. But there's one defensive stat job left and one offensive. But anyway, getting to this guy's question. I, I don't think it's necessarily that huge of a deal. Granted, 
the recruiting period opens back up this weekend. I don't know. Again, recruiting is not our forte here. Uh, we don't really cover it because we are kind of more of a radio audio type thing than one of the fan sites. And ne- neither here, like not good or bad. I'm just saying that's not really what we do here. So I, I don't know what Ole Miss's official visitor list is like this weekend, if they have any at all. But point being, I think he's going to be careful and tactful about it. I don't think this weekend they're it. not allowed to have visitors, right? I thought you. I thought it. I thought it. I thought you could have visitors one. Like I thought you could have it. Wait, was it this weekend or last weekend? I'm pretty sure one of these two upcoming up, you can have visitors again. Oh. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, uh, hell, see, it goes to show why we don't cover recruiting. It, we just, you know, we just don't do that. It's not our thing. But I thought that the recruiting calendar didn't start again until the middle of next week. I thought Wednesday, but I'm probably wrong. Either way, point being, all I'm saying is he's not going to rush this for one class. Like, he's not going to rush putting a staff in place for one class. So I, I don't think it's a delay. I think he's just being careful and tactful about it. And I, I don't I don't see that to be that huge of a deal at all. Uh, no, it's next. not. And the staff will be in place by the time they really need the staff to be in place for the last recruiting push. And, I mean, even yeah, you can still do what you need to do in recruiting down two guys. It, that won't make or break signing certain players and stuff. It's just it's not that important to rush it, as you said, because, again, you are uh, rendering me useless today. The uh, I, I'm trying to look up and make sure I had that right. Either way, I'll figure it out in a second. Uh, let's see if you could put any past Ole Miss football player on the 2020 football team. Who would it be with said person? What do you think the record would be? She talked to me in March or something, at least, when we're going to get to 2020 records. Uh, um, as of, uh, Chad Kelly's the answer. Yes, that's one answer. I'll go Zag here since you said Chad Kelly, and I will go Marquise Haynes. I think they need an exterior pass rusher because they, they lose a lot on the defensive line. And they're about so, to go back to a four-man front, which is – see – yeah, defense is funny because they ran a 3-4, but they had basically four defensive linemen. So when people ask, well, what's the difference on the defensive line? Nothing really. You just had outside linebackers that are rushed defensive ends like a Marquise Haynes in the 4-3, whereas the 3-4, they were they, they were called linebackers and they kind of did some linebacker stuff, but you still were rushing four guys. It just, you changed where they were coming from. But Long it did help that the three four. It was when you don't have as much of a talented defense. The three four that guys were asked to cover less space, which yeah. helped a lot. As to whereas the traditional four three, those guys on the outside don't have don't have pass coverage uh, responsibilities as well, and don't drop back in coverage. And so that that that'll be inter- an interesting transition. But the three four helped a a a less talented defense. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I. So you are correct. It's next weekend. I had that wrong. The dead period is December 16th through January 16th. So it's the it's next weekend. I had that one off. I wanted to make sure I had that right. So, again, you still got a week to fill out a staff. I'm just like an encyclopedia over here. I mean, just yeah, ask I mean, me anything, and I, I don't get anything wrong. But if you ever get a chance— Go ahead chance and list to- the official visitors next weekend, please. <laughs> I'll have the content up later. Um I, I would be interested to ask uh, Durkin and Patridge uh, how multiple their defense is going to be because it's never – like when you say 4-3, they will never just exclusively line up with four defensive linemen 
and three linebackers who are 6'2", 235, and that's their defense. Like, it never works that way, even though people think it does. I would like to know how many multiple fronts they're going to use, and they probably won't even answer that question, but I would love to to ask them that because McIntyre did it, and the 3-4 is really flexible anyways. I mean, he told me earlier in the season, and my buddy that's in coaching d- described the 3-4 as the most flexible defense you can run, but um, – before McIntyre, Ole Miss ran a very inflexible defense. You didn't really know what was going on, but they always kind of, when they lined up correctly, which was rare, usually it looked all the same. And a guy like Durkin, and, and I don't know what kind of defense Patridge would call, but it sounds like it'd be Durkin's defense anyway, is going to give offenses a lot of different looks. Like That's why you hire guys to his caliber. We talked last week about how maybe this particular hire didn't need to happen because it's just, it's a bad look that they didn't need to take on. But if you look at his coaching acumen, they will give multiple different looks to offenses. And I would love to ask him, you know, what your philosophy is on that because smart football people like him will run a defense that is so dramatically different than the one you saw two seasons ago. More impressed with A.J. Brown's 1,000-yard rookie season and also the first wide receiver in NFL history to have 1,000 yards on less than 90 targets. That's a hell of a stat. Is that true? Uh, or Terrence Davis's undrafted rookie season? Mm, I'll go Terrence Davis because I think the NBA is tougher to prove it in, uh, particularly on a given night. And he started. He made his first career start the other night in 4-23. You had an idea A.J. Brown was going to be pretty successful in the NFL uh, particularly if used the right way. So I'll go Terrence Davis. Even though I thought Terrence Davis had a shot at being a pro, I, you, you'd be lying if you said you saw this. This quickly on a team that's going to be a top-four seed in the East. Tend to agree. It, it, the transition in skill positions in football is not as difficult as like offensive line, defensive line. Uh, like You're seeing Montez Sweat, or you probably didn't see Montez Sweat, just had a tough rookie year. It's just harder for that transition usually I mean, Jadavion Clowney's first uh, year in the NFL didn't go particularly well. It's tough uh, in the trenches, but skill positions, it's easier to make an immediate impact. As you said, the NBA, man, it's especially for a guy that up until his senior year didn't show you that he was capable of playing in that league. So he really only had one year of basketball where you thought that he was good enough to do it. And going to the reigning NBA champion, which is still a really good team without Kawhi, and performing the way he does coming off the bench is it's unexpected because even good rookies suck. Like look at the New York Knicks right now. RJ Barrett's having trouble and it's a really bad team, but still it's the, the elite players, rookies in the NBA still struggle. John Morant as good as he's been has nights where he's just off, just not good. It's not that way with AJ Brown. Yeah, and it also helps with Terrence Davis is like that he's not he's not like he, he's being helped by the fact that one he's not being asked to do the same things that Moran and Barrett are doing. But to your point, it still stands in terms of like it's 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 unbelievably difficult to to implement your footprint in the NBA. Like you said, I mean guys, I mean even guys that turn into superstars struggle for two three years. Kind of year three or four, they start making strides forward, and then you really kind of hit superstardom for most people by five six. Some are even later bloomers than that. So I'm going to go Terrence Davis. 
I believe the last question we have is, will Leach be a successful recruiter for State? I don't know. I think it remains to be seen. I think that would be the most fascinating part of his tenure. Yeah. I think so, but I don't know. As I said earlier, I think just because you exist in the SEC West in this state, by default, he will sign better recruiting classes than he ever has. It's whether or not he can turn a top 35 class into a top 20 class. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Oh, we had one more uh, as texted in. What was what do you think Sam Pittman's reaction would was to uh, Mike Leach getting hired? Uh, yes, sir. That to me, for whatever reason, I don't know why is the most annoying noise on earth. When Richard does it on the radio show, I just sling my headphones onto the ground. I, I can't, I can't handle it. It's awful. I, I imagine he's probably not too concerned with it, but in the back of his mind, he's thinking, "Oh shit, this is going to be tough." That would, uh, that would be my reaction because uh, when you look at the SEC West coaches, one of those things is not like the others. So, um, and one of t- them has to learn on the job. Yeah, exactly. So uh, fairly tough sledding for uh, Mr. Pittman, but I guess we'll see how it turns out. You never know. Like you said, you you really don't know with these things. People love to judge the hires off the press conferences and the names and fits and all that, but you really don't know. No one would have known Sweeney was going to be any good. There's countless examples across the country. You just don't know. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch play out. Let's – so that's all of our questions. Appreciate the uh, participation in the People's Holiday. Let's do Greg's picks right here. You'll listen to me pick them. Then we'll get Borky's thoughts. I'll reiterate my pick or whatever, and we'll discuss these uh, championship games and get out of here. So uh, you've, if you made it this far in the podcast, congrats on your free money because Greg is here to uh, get you rich and also provide you the meat. So go see him. We talk some meats. We talk some sausages, all kinds of different stuff, and he gave you a lock. So without further ado, LB's Greg is back in the fold. The man himself is back. It is LB's Greg. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we had him on. That's mostly my fault. Uh, some traveling issues, some other things, but he's back to ready to uh, talk some meat, maybe make some picks, LB make money again so you don't have to fade Borky and I. Greg, what's up? What's going on? How's everything going? Pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain. Did you have a good Christmas and all that? I did. We were extremely busy. Uh, uh, we had a, uh, a random new head coach getting hired at Ole Miss, so it's, uh, uh, business has been great for it. That is, uh, that's that's good. So, what's up? Uh, before we get going, what you got going on special wise right now? Um, you know, we've got the Lane Train special, uh, which is the six ounce. Uh, we've officially made it the Lane Train special. Uh, it's not going anywhere. It's all day, every day. Uh, it's a uh, six-ounce bacon wrap filet for ten dollars. Um, we've got uh, plate lunches going uh, today. We made some pot roast, um, smoking some ribs right now. So, yeah, just uh, just still chugging along around here. Got any exotic sausages going on right now? Those are always my favorite. Yeah, we made some uh, blue dream sausage. Uh, so it's kind of like uh, like the harvest apple, but it's got blueberries and brown sugar and maple syrup. So. It's kind of like a primo breakfast sausage, and then um, I'm smoking some uh, buffalo bacon chicken sausage um, also. So, um, yeah, got uh, got a couple new sausages out and about. That sounds really solid. That buffalo chicken, I might have to check that out uh, sometime this weekend or something. I, that sounds pretty solid. What? Uh, so, Chris, like you mentioned, busy during the holiday season. Christmas and Thanksgiving pretty similar in terms of what most people are kind of coming in to get, or is it pretty wide variety? No, it's pretty different from Thanksgiving to uh, for Christmas. Thanksgiving's more traditional, you know, turkeys and stuff like that. 
Um, Christmas is going to be more like beef tenderloin, standing rib roast, uh, French rack of lamb, um, just, you know, stuff that's, uh, you know, kind of the end of the year stuff that, you know, you, uh, it's kind of a one-time thing. So standing rib roast is very popular, and then beef tenderloin, which is also just a, basically a filet mignon, a whole, uh, a whole piece of filet mignon. You texted me a couple weeks ago. It sounded like those uh, Kiffin and Carter specials were going pretty well. We've been pumping those. Are those here to stay? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, um, you know, we've uh, always had the special, but uh, whenever we changed the name to uh, to the Lane Train special and put a hashtag on it and put it on social media, it's really taken off. <laughs> I, I think the uh, the uh, I just the seven day total that we like first switched it to the Lane Train special was. I think 785 was like in a seven day uh, time frame, which is unbelievable just because, I mean, it normally takes us, you know, two weeks to sell 100. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. That's the most 2019 thing of all time. You just throw a hashtag on it and a name and it, it, it kicks up in sales. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been good. It's been good for business. And, it's, you know, it's changed the morale around here. It's, uh, we went from uh, you know being down in the dumpsters to you know being excited and uh, being uh, looking forward to football season. And it's coming up. You're pretty going to start, if not already, you're going to start feeding the baseball team team pretty soon. Yeah, we again. actually uh, we actually fed the softball team on Wednesday. That was the uh, first time we fed the softball team, and uh, man, I, that was uh, that was cool because the uh, the original menu was kind of like a post game meal for the baseball team and I was like hey this is going to be a lot of food but as I was walking in there was five girls sitting in the hallway like waiting like a pack of hyenas so uh, they uh, they they said they tore it up so uh, yeah we fed the uh, softball team Wednesday and then we'll start back up with the uh, baseball team on Monday. Customer-wise, I'm sure I've asked you this before, but as we get closer to baseball season, I imagine that's a pretty popular time for people to come get stuff just because, you know, easy to grill. I mean, when I think of, like, grilling in the spring, it's definitely, particularly when I was in college, it was a lot of people out in the outfield doing that. Is there any kind of one couple of things popular in kind of coming through baseball season with people tailgating and all that stuff out there? Oh, yeah. Well, the sausage is very popular, uh, you know, always. But we also do a grill pack during the uh, baseball season. It's a... Two links of fresh sausage, a half chicken, and some thin-cut pork chops. So, it's kind of like into like one little pack, and it's they're right around like uh, fifteen to twenty dollars, depending on the uh, the weight of everything. But those are real popular, and of course, all of the sausages. But uh, jalapeno poppers and stuffed mushrooms; those are really good to you know to throw out there on the grill out there in left field. That uh, that grill pack sounds like the ticket. I might have to refer some friends to go check that out. Anyone listening, go check Greg out. University Avenue across from Kroger. Best place in Mississippi, without a doubt, to get meat. You ready to make some picks? We have another kind of business to get to. Let's get it. All right, so divisional round. Some uh, This is an, this is interesting. You've if Depending on what Minnesota-San Francisco does in the next couple of days, it's at seven right now. But you could have three of the four games this weekend at more than a touchdown, which, in my opinion, is kind of odd for a divisional game. But you did have a couple upsets last weekend, and it seems like the two best teams in the NFL have been kind of far and away, that being San Francisco and Baltimore. So I guess it kind of makes sense. So I guess we'll get to this one first. We'll also do the national title game, too, because we got that coming up Monday. But San Francisco minus seven right now 
at home against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Cousins coming off a game last week where he seems like he kind of got the monkey off his back, wins a playoff game, makes probably the throw of his life to Adam Thielen down there in the uh, in overtime to kind of set up the game-winning score. Who do you got here? Man, I like San Francisco. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I feel like the, I don't know, I just like, I like San Francisco here. I feel like their defense is a little bit better. Bosa coming on the outside is going to be a nightmare all game long. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, know that's a lot of points, but, uh, I mean, I'm not saying Minnesota busted their, busted it yesterday, last week at New Orleans, but, you know, New Orleans didn't play good, you know, and, um, you got, uh, um, you would think the better team always wins in playoff games, and sometimes it doesn't happen. And I, you know, just felt like that the Saints kind of landed flat on their face. And you know, but I feel like San Francisco is is, uh, is definitely going to. I say I see two touchdown wins for San Francisco here. I think I agree with you. It's a lot of points. Minnesota's defense played really well last week. But uh, the Saints' offensive line didn't play particularly well. I think I'm going to go with the same here. Uh, as you mentioned, San Francisco getting healthier on defense. Uh, rested, I think they kind of put up a little bit of a statement. The second game of the Saturday slate is Baltimore against my Tennessee Titans. This game is at 9.5. Tennessee slayed the Mighty Dragon last week. Bill Belichick, Patriots, Dynasty, all that. I don't think it's done yet, even though it was fun to repeatedly say that it was over on Twitter. But... Titans have been kind of the hottest team in the NFL, uh, I guess, outside of Baltimore ever since Ryan Tannehill took over. This is a lot of points. I, I, this is seems ones where like Las Vegas knows something you don't know. I'm a, I'll take the bait. I'll be a sucker. I'll, I think I'm going to go with the Titans here. I'll be rooting for the Titans. Derrick Henry is a man-child. Uh, I, I know Baltimore's good, but I, I don't know why. I'm going Tennessee here. Yeah, I like the points here, and I like the fact that you know, Tennessee's running the ball, and they can control the exactly. clock and take, take, take the ball out of the hands of Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you're handing the ball off to Derrick Henry 25, 30 times, you know, in a game, then uh, you're going to be, you know, in control of the clock and uh, keep that Baltimore offense on the sidelines. I, I just – I like the points here. I, I mean, you know, like you were saying, Tennessee's hot, and, you know, I know that Las Vegas knows something if the number's that high, but – you know, um, it's almost uh, it's almost like a given here on the points, and almost you might want to almost feel like a money line here just to see if they can, you know, because uh, that money line is going to be extremely. I mean, it's going to be plus five hundred for sure. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they have a chance here too. Maybe I'm just being a homer, but you mentioned like last week, obviously a different beast because the Patriots' offense was kind of hapless. But they limited the amount of possessions in the game. Henry carried it like 33 times. That second half, I mean, literally no one scored till that trash pick six at the end. Like, I, I think they have a chance in this. I don't think it's a great one, but I, I kind of agree. I uh, definitely. But if, you, if you can run the ball, control the offensive line, keep the other teams off the, uh, the high-power offense off the field, you've got a chance in any game for sure. The next one we got, first one on Sunday is Kansas City and Houston, and this is also minus 9.5 in favor of the Chiefs. What's interesting here is these two teams already played in Arrowhead once this year, and the Texans got behind big early but actually won the game outright. I think it's a much different Kansas City team this time. The defense is playing better. Mahomes is a lot more healthy. The Texans are like just a discombobulated mess that Deshaun Watson seems to just kind of save single-handedly every week. I really don't know what to do here because if you're giving – like if. You're betting against Deshaun Watson at nine and a half points. You're basically giving Deshaun Watson ten points here. 
But at the same time, I just don't really trust the Texans Chiefs defense playing better. What What is your lean here? That's a, that's a tough one because, again, you know, you, you see that Vegas knows something. And, uh, you know, Houston was down in, uh, down early against Buffalo last week. So, and, you know, coming back and make, uh, making a, a good effort in a last uh, in an overtime win, you know that that takes a lot out of a team. But man, like you're saying, Kansas City's healthy. The defense. I mean, I remember the first five weeks of the season, Kansas City defense was the worst in the league, and they finally come around. Uh, I think Chris Jones is wreaking havoc, uh, and so I just you know I like the team at home. Um, again, I, I'm going to go for uh, Kansas City by two touchdowns here. I'm going to go against my better judgment and go Houston, and I'm just going to be sitting there in the second quarter Saturday being like, why did I do such a thing? But I'm going to do it anyway. Maybe Deshaun Watson. Like, it's like maybe what I'm hoping for here is like it's a two-touchdown game the whole game, and then Watson just kind of loses his mind in the fourth quarter, and they're in the game when they shouldn't be. So that is my rationale. I'm sticking to it. Last one here for NFL, in my opinion, is the game of the weekend, because this one's fascinating to me. Green Bay is minus four and a half at home against Seattle. You've got it's one of those things where like Seattle really has no business being in this game. They don't really do anything particularly well, but they do have a guy named Russell Wilson at quarterback who just kind of wills his team to win. This is interesting because Green Bay's kind of won ugly all year, and if you're Aaron Rodgers, you probably shouldn't lose this game to Russell Wilson with superior talent all around you at home. This is going to be fascinating here. My gut wants me to take the Seahawks, but Green Bay's kind of been sneaky good all year. I'll go with Russell Wilson. Why not? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the, uh, Seahawks' money line here. Uh, I like I, it. That is bold. I don't, I, I don't need four points here. I mean, I, I feel like uh, Green Bay, you know, is, like you said, has gotten by. I mean, if they didn't win that game against the Lions, they would have been hosting that first round of the wild card. Um so um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the NFL playoffs just because I feel like every three, all division winners should have a play, should have a buy, and then they you know pull an extra team and do a wild card. I mean, so uh, just because I mean the Saints were doing 13 games, you know, Lord, and they're playing a first round home game wild card. So uh, it's a tough call, but yes, uh, Seahawks money line here. I like it a lot. Uh, it, it doesn't uh, uh, just. Seattle gets it done. I mean, they they just pulled Marshawn Lynch out of a Skittles bag and uh, you know threw him back there. So I mean, you know, it's just uh, and plus DK is an X factor. He makes plays, and you know, it's whenever uh, Russell Wilson can trust that throw and go down the field with it. That's a that's a uh, that's a plus one for him, and he doesn't need that already because he's so mobile in the in the pocket. So. Uh, I like Seattle here. Um, I just, you know, I just feel like uh, uh, Seattle's uh, the better team. That was some pretty solid pub for DK last week. He kind of had the walk-off catch. He had that beast of a touchdown. That was a pretty cool moment for him. Yeah, absolutely, man. The uh, all right, last one we'll get from you is the national title game because we will not talk between now and then. So we will let me see what that is now. It is still at five and a half. So LSU's minus five and a half. This one's a doozy because, like, what other opportunity are you going to get Clemson at plus five and a half? Won twenty nine straight games. Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost since high school, but at the same time, LSU has blown everyone out. What do you What do you make of this? Yeah, man, this is a. It should be a really, really good game. You want to kind of compare if if LSU was playing Ohio State, what the line would be with there. 
I mean, you would think Ohio State was a, would get, you know, plus seven maybe. You know, same kind of number that uh, Clemson's getting. But, you know, uh, Clemson was down early on Ohio, uh, on Ohio State and, you know, got a big play from Lawrence and, you know, kind of uh, swung the momentum of the game. But uh, LSU is just, man, you almost seem it's a, de- a team of, you know, destiny, man. They go to Tuscaloosa, they win. They go to Auburn and win. Um, you know, that – uh, they've uh, won some really big games, and uh, you know I, I doubt that the uh, the defensive coordinator is going to say that Clemson's the fifth best team they played all year. Um, so, man, I would think I would think a touchdown is going to win this game, and I think that LSU is going to have that touchdown. Um, but I'm not going to take any away from Dabo and and um, and Lawrence because they're both gamers, and you know it's just the thought of giving them three points, much less four and a half, you know, five is, is, is kind of scary. So, uh, man, I can't – I mean, the thought of Ed Ogeron winning a national championship just makes me want to, like, cringe. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just take the points and hopefully uh, hopefully LSU wins by a field goal and I, and I win the best. How about that? I think that's what I'm leaning to, but Borky and I are going to officially make our pick on Monday show, but I, I can't really get a feel for this at all. Like, it, it's like... I mean, LSU put up seven touchdowns in the first half. I it, mean, Grant was against Oklahoma, but, I mean, you know, they just looked on... I mean, they, I mean, even off the break, you know, they just they came out and it's just almost like uh, Joe Burrow's on cheat mode sometimes. And they throttled a pretty good Georgia defense, too. What's interesting here is the over-under 69.5. That's a ridiculous point total for a title game. I like the under for some strange reason. I just feel like defense – I mean, uh, how many uh, days off did they have? 13? Yeah, it's almost like three – it's over two weeks. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Both offenses are crackers, but, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of points in a big game whenever, you know, normally defense shows up in big games like this. You heard it first here. Greg's got the picks. He's uh, led you to the money all season. He's got you covered on meets. Greg, we really appreciate it. Uh, We'll do it again soon, probably uh, NFC Championship weekend, Super Bowl, all that. We appreciate it, man. Absolutely appreciate y'all. And that was LB's Greg. So, Borky has not heard these picks because I called Greg this morning, so I'll rehash mine and Greg's, and then we'll get discuss these games, and we will get out of here. So let's starting off the first game of the weekend is San Francisco, Minnesota. Greg convinced me to go uh, San Francisco. It's San Francisco minus seven. Greg convinced me to go San Francisco here. Would it shock me if it, uh, Minnesota's defense kind of kept them in the game and this game's close? No underdogs pretty much hit in all of them depending on what you got the bills at last weekend and all games that makes them like it depending on what you got the bills at they're now 12 and 0 in uh wild card weekend in the last three years i don't know what that means for the divisional games i guess i'll go san francisco because i think they're getting healthier on defense but if Kirk cousins pulls a run out of his ass and they win I, it, it really wouldn't stun me no it wouldn't and the vikings defensive line i mean the way they got after the saints offensive line was special last week if they can do it again in garoppolo's first playoff game maybe they make it interesting i just think the 49ers are a significantly better football team and at home even with seven points that's where i would go uh quick side note here paul feinbaum tweeted out a poll which hire will look better in three years kiffin or leach and kiffin responded with leach Uh, so not sure what to make of that. 
<laughs> I think he's probably just screwing with his old pal Feinbaum. Oh my God, that's perfect. See, th- that's the kind of stuff we're gonna get now, and that's gonna twist some people's brains, like that can't function properly. Because they're going to want those two to actually hate each other, and they won't. And they're going to tweet shit like that at each other all the time. I think this is hilarious. I love this so much. <laughs> what a character. That's, uh, yeah. So I don't know how you top that. So did you go, did you go San Francisco or Minnesota? I got San Francisco just, minus the seven. I think so, too. They're getting healthier on defense. It is Jimmy G's first playoff game, and he hasn't always been great this year. And you know, if they control the clock with Dalvin Cook, I just don't feel great about this. I may switch to Minnesota before the game ends, before the game starts. I'm just saying, right now I'll go San Francisco, though. Tennessee and uh, Baltimore, the nightcap, it is Baltimore minus nine and a half. I'll be the sucker here. I'll go Tennessee. I think they have a chance to control the clock. Both teams running a bunch. I think if you give it to Derrick Henry 35 times again, I think Tannehill's going to have a better game. I think the Titans have a chance to win this. I, I really do. I don't give them a great shot. I think Baltimore wins, but man, nine and a half's a ton. I'm going Tennessee here. Uh, I'm with you. I'm just going to ride your Tennessee Titans until proven otherwise. They're too good defensively, especially with 10 points, uh, to get blown out in Baltimore. I, I'm i believing in your Titans, man, and I probably shouldn't, but I do. Do people forget the Lamar Jackson, much different team. They spend the entire offseason. This is probably not the greatest uh, example to point out, but he was kind of booed off the field in a playoff game against the Chargers last year. Now, granted, entirely different team, entirely different personnel built for him to succeed. I'm just saying, like, there is there is such thing as playoff experience having been there, done that before. Granted, Tannehill doesn't have a ton either, but this team really kind of goes as Derrick Henry goes. And you give him 33 carries again, and he has that kind of success, you're going to limit the amount of possessions. I like the Titans and the points here. I think they have an outside shot to win, not a great one. So I guess we shall see. Uh, This is another fascinating one. Chiefs-Texans, because these two teams already played at Arrowhead this year. The Texans won the game outright, but now they are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. Much different Chiefs team. Mahomes is healthy. Defense is more healthy. Defense is playing way better. Texans are kind of a discombobulated mess that Watson seems to uh, clean up every week. So Chiefs-Texans, who you got? Chiefs minus nine-and-a-half. Against my better judgment, I'm going to go to Sean Watson. You're going to give him almost 10 points. I'm going to say, like, like the way I see this game going is 28-14, something in the fourth. Watson goes nuts, and all of a sudden you look up, and it's like a three-point game where it's tied when it really shouldn't be. So against my better judgment, I'll go Texans here. Uh, I'm going the opposite. I think that— um, That's a smart play. Yeah, but 10 points, nine and a half, ten 10 is so big. It's just your, That's a lot of points to give to Sean Watson, but— that, the, I mean, the Texans don't run the ball. They don't really block anyone either. Like, that that seems like it could be problematic. No, they, not good up front. Don't run the football well. And, and can that offense keep up with Pat Mahomes on the road? I just don't think so. Yeah, I mean, they, they gave Carlos Hyde 250 carries this year when they have Deshaun Watson. I don't really understand that either. Like, I, I just – I don't get what the Texans are trying to do. I don't think they're very well coached. I think they blow them out, but th- this also, to me, has potential to where the Chiefs dominate this whole game and Mahomes just, just I mean, uh, excuse me, Watson just destroys some covers in a futile comeback. So uh, that's what I'm banking on there, but probably the smart play. The game of the weekend is the last one, which I'm kind of glad because I'll get to watch all of this. Seahawks-Packers. Seahawks are 
plus four and a half going into Lambeau. It is going to be snowing. I uh, saw I saw they were asking for volunteers to help shovel snow out of the stadium. It's going to be terrible weather. Uh, the Seahawks really have no business being here. They don't really do anything particularly well. They just have a dude named Russell Wilson who's pretty damn good and a good rookie receiver and uh, a shell of Marshawn Lynch uh, after a couple running back injuries. I, mm, this feels like a sucker play too, but I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I mean, the 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 Packers like the team like you think they aren't very good, but they were 13 and three. You look up and they won a ton of games. Ugly. They do have a good defense. They run the ball well. That travels. Rodgers hasn't played very well, but man, like if you're Aaron Rodgers, you your legacy. Like to me, this is a legacy game for him because if you let Russell Wilson come in with this ragtag group and beat you on your home field, it's kind of like all right, man. Like what are you doing? So. I'm going to go Seattle. Greg's bold pick here was Seattle Moneyline, as you as you guys listening have already heard. Uh, so he goes, I don't need the four and a half points. I'm going Russell Wilson Moneyline. What do you got? Wow, that's a bold uh, claim, especially with all the snow on the ground. Uh, Greg's last two bold Moneyline plays have hit. I forget what they were, but both of them hit. It was, uh, so that's what Greg took? I was about to take the Packers, but I don't know now. <laughs> well, one of them, Greg, Greg called Bengals money line in their first win this year earlier this year. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't remember who it was against, but the, the meat shark man. <laughs> Greg is on a roll. That's right. You don't even have to fade us this week. We just had Greg on the show to tell you what to do. So Greg went Seattle money line. I took the points. I'm not quite as uh, not walking on the wild side like Greg, but I, I just I don't trust the Packers, and I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to go Rodgers at home in the snow. Uh, I love Russell Wilson, but I think the, the lack of everything around him outside of a rookie wide receiver is going to catch up to him. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think so, too. But just for whatever reason, Russell was in the Seahawks. I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast the other day. He's like, I think all Seahawks Packers – Seahawks never play normal games. Like, all their games end up being completely strange, and particularly Seahawks Packers. Remember, this is the replacement refs game a couple years ago. They've had some weird matchups. So, I think both on, on the Kansas City one and on the uh, and on the Seattle one, I think you're on the right side. But I'm going to go with the bold play. Whatever. We'll see how it works out. So, that will be a – hopefully a good divisional weekend. Hopefully, we'll have a lot to talk about Monday – uh, that's about all I've got today. You got anything else? Uh, no, man, that's about it. You, uh, you said everything better than I did today. So maybe we should just cut me out and be the rippy podcast from here. I don't on know, out. man. We'll let the listeners decide that maybe my takes were shitty and just, it sounded good, uh, at the moment. You got to let well, it marinate, bring them all to the radio show and we will learn quickly if people think your takes are shitty or not. So, yeah, come on, come and blow up our text line and insult us is basically what Borky's <laughs> saying. Three to six every day. You get a free shot at us. So we'll be back at it on Monday. I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you for participating in Mailbag Friday, the people's holiday. We'll be back at it on Monday. We'll have a basketball game to recap, a bunch of division, uh, football. I'm sure Mike Leach will say something interesting in his press conference. The SEC West is perennially interesting. So we appreciate you guys listening. If you like what you heard, rate and review to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, and if you want a People's Holiday t-shirt, text me and prompt me to make them because uh, I'm going to be lazy if not. So uh, we had a, uh, someone to t- uh, tweet us that last night. I'm looking into that. That might be something we can get into. Anyway, Borky, I'll see you this afternoon. But uh, everyone else, have a great and safe weekend, and we appreciate you listening.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.